Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today, all the way from England, is Carrie Hunter. Hi, Carrie. Hello, good evening. <laughs> How are you? I am fine. I, we've just been saying it's, it's a little past my bedtime, but I seem to be uh, holding up quite well. Awesome. Um, I'm so glad to hear that. And thank you for staying up past your bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we do appreciate it. Um, well, thank you for having me. It's nice to be asked. Yeah, great. We we love your work. So so <laughs> let's talk about it. Um, I I saw that you had a a recent release. It was called Unbreakable, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Can you tell us about that? Tell our listeners what that's about. I can. Um, it was released in October, and it's my first one for a couple of years, actually. Um, I usually I'm quite a slow writer. I usually have a book out a year, mm-hmm. but um, COVID and 2020 kind of got in the way. So things slipped, and that was the year that I slipped as well. So um, it was a couple of years waiting for this one. Understandable. You're normally in the healthcare profession, so I imagine you were quite busy. I've been a paramedic for almost 20 years. It'll be 20 years in April. Um, I also caught COVID, so I was ill for a couple of weeks and and pretty much knocked on my ass, really. So, yeah, it wasn't a great year for anybody, but it certainly wasn't wasn't a great year to be writing. But I did actually write Unbreakable Through 2020, believe it or not. Did you? I did. I set aside a book that I had been working on, which is unusual for me. For whatever reason, it just wasn't clicking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had this—I just had this premise. And it was quite a simple premise, basically. Unbreakable's premise. It's not an original one. Um, it's been done before. It's kind of well, it is. It's kidnapped woman. Uh, it's injured woman. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a woman who's been shot, um, Ellen, and she basically kidnaps a doctor, Grace, to fix her up to avoid going to a hospital. Now, she's obviously got reasons for doing this, Mm -hmm. which I'm not going to go into because obviously it's spoilers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I suppose the fun for the reader is is following um, Grace and Ellen's story to try and figure out exactly what's made Ellen take such drastic action. Because normal people who get shot would just go to the hospital and say, please fix me. Right. She's she's taken a pretty drastic course of action in kidnapping her own doctor to... um, (laughs) to do that duty for her and obviously she does have her reasons now this this book's a bit of a departure for me as well because it's actually a it's a triple point of view so i guess most standard sort of sapphic fictions um especially from the romance genre Mm -hmm. um would stick with two point of views of first person yeah um and this has three so is that a menage a trois no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. They're two two very separate parts of the story, really. Okay. So you have Grace and Ellen's story in one section, mm-hmm. taking up pretty much half of the book. And then in the other section is Detective Safia Farris, wow. who is the detective who's tasked to, well, initially to solve a murder mystery because there's a dead man sort of lying in a patch of waste ground okay. that she is investigating. So she's tasked to investigate this murder and slowly but surely pulls the pieces together and realizes that it involves Ellen to some extent. So uh, it's, it was quite a fun one to write because Safia is actually one step behind the reader because oh. the reader has they're privy to what's going on with Grace and Ellen. Yeah. So they know Ellen's reasonings before Safia does. 
So Safir is following the evidence and, you know, making some wrong conclusion and, and you know, suspecting Ellen of, of being involved in this crime, and she is, mm-hmm. but possibly not the way that Safia thinks she is. Okay, and so then, the reader's going, no, no. Basically, yeah. And the, the, the trick was to try and to try and get that to work without making Safia seem silly. Yeah. Um, you know, because she's an intelligent, she's a bright woman, and she's she's basically following the evidence logically. Mm-hmm. But the logic is taking her in the wrong direction. So um, she's she's kind of Columbo-ish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's really good at her job. It's just that, you know, for a while there, the evidence is pointing to um, Ellen being the culprit. Uh-huh. And and there's there's more to it than perhaps meets Safia's eye to start off with. Yeah. So the reader knows this and will be going, oh, oh no, that's actually wrong. Um, so Safia has to get to the point where obviously she's pulling everything together and getting the right getting the right answers to her questions yeah. and it all comes to a very exciting head where they all um they all collide you know that both sides of the story collide basically towards the end oh cool cool so so this was uh i i, I would imagine that this was very difficult to write and it sounds more like how like screenplays are written it was quite difficult to write it was it was tricky to write there's some quite tough scenes in it as well that were emotionally quite difficult to write it's mm. very much a book for 2020 oh, wow. um it has a lot of the themes of kind of loss and and um uh, it's just sort of like despair in places and also mm. there's this kind of finding friendship and support and courage that you didn't know you had from you know deep down places that you didn't know you you would ever need to access mm. so all three women have um especially Grace and, and Ellen have quite um, traumatic backstories. Um, and yeah, just the, the three of them kind of, they find this connection together. Um, Grace and Ellen, obviously a very close connection, but Safia gets pulled into this kind of, um, this, this, this story as well. Um, and all three women end up quite close together by the, by the end of the story. Sounds like maybe a story about survival. Yeah, it very much is a story about survival um, and protecting the ones you love and, you know, yeah, doing things that you would never expect yourself to do for the worst of reasons sort of thing. It's, um, mm. But I, I didn't know how people would react to it, to be fair, because it is quite tough to read in places and it's had a really, really strong positive reaction, which I've been quite surprised by and oh, awesome. really, really pleased with, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people really seem to have taken the characters to heart and been just pulled along by the story because, you know, it's a thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, and once it goes, it, it goes basically. And it, it, it kicks off with a bit of a bang and it doesn't really let up until maybe the last 10%. Wow. <laughs> when you kind of get a bit of a chance to catch your breath. Wow. That sounds great. It sounds like something that would cause me some anxiety, though. I think so. Yeah, I think I think so. But I think it's probably worth, even if you're you're more of a, I prefer my my romances or I prefer my thrillers to be kind of um, what are they called, cozy yeah. mysteries or whatever. It's worth giving it a go because, it's, like I say, a lot of people have have really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. Even if it's been slightly outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, congratulations. That's that's <laughs> awesome. Really. Sounds like you, you know, took a took a risk here. Yeah, um, I think I wrote it for me. I do most most of my writing for me to be fair, never knowing sort of like what people will think of it. 
But um, this one just seems to have, yeah, it just struck a chord with readers, which has been really, really nice. Okay. So so while we're on the, the topic of difficult writing, uh, mm. <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think out of all of the books that you've written and you've written probably what, maybe a dozen or so? No, not that. I think it's nine. Nine? That's close to a dozen. Nine, yeah. Close to I a dozen. So. All right. So, what do you think was the most difficult scene to write out of out of everything that you've written? Oh God, there's. I don't think I could ever just pick one. To be fair. Okay. I mean, I'm not a really fluffy writer, so most of my books are quite grounded in in reality. I mean, I, I did the Dark Peak series, which was. They're quite gritty, kind of dark in places, um, crime thrillers. Mm-hmm. And they've got some really challenging and and traumatic scenes in them. I mean, there's a scene in Unbreakable in a graveyard. Again, I'm not going to go into it, but it was really tough to write that scene. And when I've I've reread it, when I was doing my edits, I hadn't I hadn't read it for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading it back and I'm thinking, God, this is awful. <laughs> this is actually really awful. Um and it works. The worst thing is, as well, it works really well on audio mm-hmm. because I've got a great narrator who just it, she can absolutely whack the the emotional stuff out, and she just hits every note in that scene. Fantastic. Um, so it's great on audio, but it's it's just it's really quite it's really quite stressful to listen to. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it's kind of I've 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 got to the point where I can get quite a good balance with with the bad stuff because I know that you know a lot of people have their limits as to what they will want to read Mm -hmm. I tend to I don't shy away from it you know because bad things do happen especially you know if you're if you're a thriller and a crime writer Mm -hmm. I don't want to pretend that they don't Mm -hmm. Um, but I will probably nowadays be more likely to show the aftermath rather than the actual um, detail oh okay Um, so I'll yeah, cut out the, the kind of graphic aspect. Okay. Um, I'm not going to pretend that a punch doesn't hurt, but I might be less likely to show the punch being thrown. Yeah, and just show you know, the... To some extent. Yeah, you know. okay. That makes sense. I get that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. In terms that. of technicalities, it's weird because I'm a paramedic, but mm-hmm. when you ask what's the difficult stuff to write, I always find the medical stuff really difficult to write. Really? I think, yeah, I think maybe just because it's a fear of getting it wrong. Uh, because I know I should get it right. Uh, okay, makes so sense. I get that. I'm always, yeah, I'm always kind of really conscious that I don't want to make it too technical for readers who aren't medical. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to miss something and have somebody pull me up on it. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I understand yeah. that. It so, is quite hard. Yeah. But you mentioned um, the Dark Peak series. Hmm. So what is that about? That was my first foray into proper crime mysteries. Really? Um, yeah, I'd done three before that. Um, Tumble Down was my third book, and it was with that book that I sort of started thinking, I think I'm happier writing thrillers. And I also am happier writing um, relationships where the couple knows each other. Okay. So with the Dark Peak, I kind of, I already, I knew that I wanted to write a series. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to set it back in England, specifically where I live. So okay. they're all set in the Peak District, which is where I live. Okay. Um, 
and they feature um, a couple who have known each other from childhood. Mm-hmm. So you've got Sana Jensen, who's a detective, and Meg, who is um, a doctor. And they're, like I say, lifelong friends. They've both had um, quite messy family backgrounds where they've grown up out of poverty, um, some, you know, some kind of violent backgrounds. Meg's brother was violent to her. Sana's dad is alcohol dependent. So they've got quite troubled. They've got quite a lot of history together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're occasional friends with benefits as well. Okay. And they're a daft pair of idiots who are basically perfect for each other. But because they're terrified of messing up what they have, mm-hmm. they won't take that step and commit to being a couple. Uh, so it's... I mean, each book, um, there's no good reason, and then there's cold to the touch, and there's a quiet death in that order, basically. Um, Each uh, book has um, an individual case file, which is a standalone case file, so you get um, a case that's solved by the end of the book. Nice. Uh, No no cliffies, no cliffhangers. Okay. And then the relationship basically, you know, develops through those those three books. Um, so they, yeah, the, the, the ups and downs basically of of their relationship together and their family, um, their family sort of like shenanigans going on in the background. Okay. Um, but they did. They were they were a surprise those books because I had no idea what the reception would be to um, something like No Good Reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't have a happy ever after. It definitely wasn't a romance. You know, the Sana and Meg's relationship is very much the B plot. The A plot is the crime that Sana's investigating. Um, and they kind of, they proved that I think people who were sort of like reading me could stick with me through three books and have the kind of trust that I would, you know, do right by these 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 characters, really. Mm-hmm. Um but no, they they turned out to be really really successful. I think No Good Reasons actually my my biggest seller now. Really, That's yeah, fantastic. it's amazing for the genre. Is that a lot the of that it is the fact that it's a thriller, that it's a crime, and that mm-hmm. it was advertised as such. Um, is, is that a lot of pressure? Like you said, you know, the fact that your readers would stay with you and you know, kind of know that you would deliver on the the next books was that a lot of pressure to to keep that going? Um, I don't think so because the, the the characters had obviously been successful in the first book and I knew where I was going with them mm-hmm. for the next two books. So I think, I mean, I was kind of scared really writing Call to the Touch because um, I did something horrible basically right at the start and broke Santa and Meg up. They weren't, they weren't a committed couple at the end of No Good Reason, but they were still in this kind of weird friends with benefits kind of thing that they had going. Mm-hmm. And at the start of Cold to the Touch, Meg is with somebody else. So Cold was all about sort of them finding their way back to each other. So I basically threw all my readers through a loop with some really, really mm-hmm. horrible scenes right at the start where Santa's really miserable and trudging through the snow and being awful on and getting in trouble at work because she can't concentrate. Um, and, and Meg's just basically in this other relationship that's that's actually working out quite well for her. Oh, so wow. it was how to get them back together and, and fix it all by, um, you know, by, by a quiet death, by the time a quiet death came around. So 
Wow. That it was really interesting to work with, actually. So I'm glad that people stuck with it because they still come up. Megan San still come up as, you know, favorite sort of like um, sapphic uh, fiction characters. So to have them be so popular and I still get people now asking for a fourth book. And, you know, it's great to have written something that's that's really um, that's really resonated, I think, with readers. So will there be a fourth book? No, I've I've been answering this question recently. We had an audio book thing um, over the weekend, and somebody asked about it. I don't think there ever will because I like where I left everything at the end of a quiet death. Okay, it just it just all it fits nicely together. Um, the characters are all in a good place. The family stuff in the background all had a really nice resolution. I was just happy with where I left it. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't. The, the, I mean, in terms of the sort of the setup, you can write crime thrillers you know ad nauseum you can just go because you can you can carry on keeping you know thinking up crime plots mm -hmm. it's what you do with the characters and i didn't want to mess them up you know mm -hmm. i didn't want to break them up i didn't want to separate them again and i think people would have maybe got a bit bored if they were just in this happy nice relationship forever okay um, so yeah i think i think that one's that one's done and i'm happy with where it was and you know you're only you're supposed to leave them wanting a little bit more aren't you so <laughs> i guess yep. that's where we are yeah awesome well will you have another series right um is it like a maybe a two book series about yeah, sarah yeah. and alex does that class as a series if it's just two books sure does yeah um, yeah, that was never supposed to be a series. To oh, refer. Okay. I got my wrist slapped a little bit um, for writing a, a sequel to. Well, it was my second book was Desolation Point. Okay. Um, so this was the first one was what tum tumble down? No, Snowbound was my very first one. Okay. So Desolation Point was second, and then the sequel to Desolation Point is um, is Tumble Down. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So Tumble Down is the one that I wasn't really supposed to write because Desolation Point, I suppose if we're pushing it was a kind of romance okay and you're not really supposed to write a sequel or you weren't back then oh. nowadays everybody writes sequels sure they do yeah back in the day so we're talking what six seven years ago uh-huh it was a bit of a no-no basically wow really so, yeah well i was told it was anyway okay. i think uh, bowl strokes bowl strokes weren't um and they weren't particularly keen to sort of like throw a sequel at a book that should have finished after one I think mm -hmm. was the the kind of idea um but yeah it's a tumble down or well, desolation points are kind of ah it's a it's quite a simple kind of wilderness chase story so you've got a, a young English lass who gets lost in the middle of the Cascade Mountains in America and um witnesses a crime basically Oh. and gets chased by the people who commit the crime so it's it's a bit of a it's quite simple it's quite fun there's a girl who goes out after her um they meet they fall in love they have adventures they get beaten up quite a lot um, <laughs> <laughs> the weather's terrible this is one of my things there's always terrible weather oh that's funny and usually wet socks as well so terrible <laughs> weather wet socks is that um, an english thing well, I think it's probably a me thing because I always have wet feet when I go out walking. We we hike a lot. This is where Desolation Point actually came out of this this kind of habit of ours for 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 stomping up uh, the local hills. Okay. Um, 
I actually no, it didn't. I'm telling a lie. It came from a Swiss walk. We go to uh, my wife and I go to Switzerland um, whenever we can. Obviously not for the last couple of years, but we walk quite a lot in Switzerland. And I'd gone out one day uh, on my own. I've got a terrible sense of direction. And as I was walking, um, a thunderstorm. Uh, you could see it in the sort of like in the distance. And I thought, oh my god, this is coming for me. This is. So I'm sort of like quite in in quite an exposed path. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started running. I, I pretty much ran back the way that I'd come back to lower ground. And Desolation Point basically came out of that. Um, it was quite scary. And I thought, right, well, I'll do that to one of my characters. I'll have somebody go out alone and she gets caught in a storm, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, loses her way and ends up off the path and, and witnessing this um, this crime. So... That's where it came from. Okay, all right. And and out of that came two books. Um, but I was saying before, Tumble Down was was the book that that turned me into a thriller writer. I think because I just I enjoyed sort of like writing a really plotty, uh, quite twisty um, story with a couple because it's Alex and Sarah again who are the the couple in Desolation Point. Um, they're in an established relationship. Mm-hmm. And I just find that easier to write than than two strangers uh, meeting up and falling in love. So that's where the Dark Peak um, books um, stemmed from from that kind of enjoyment, really, and, and realizing that that was the the path of my writing that I wanted to take. Okay. Did when you started writing, did you not see yourself as a like a mystery or thriller writer? Um, well, my books have always been, they've always had that kind of element to them, even my very first one, Snowbound, which I think is probably, of all of them, the most typical um, within the sapphic sort of, can we call it a genre? But you know what I mean? They have mm-hmm. this this expectation that all of them should have a romance in them. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think Snowbound was the one that abided most... Um, strictly to the kind of rules okay. even though it was again it was a bit of a thriller it had a you know it's, it's definitely not a typical um there's no it, it's not fluffy shall we say okay there's, there's still guns and violence and people getting shot in it um what's up with all the guns and violence <laughs> i have no idea because we don't even have guns over here <laughs> I know we watch a lot of British crime shows and we're always like, why do they always go into these places alone and without weapons? (laughs) I've had reviews who've gone, well, why didn't you just shoot them? Well, and you know, and I've, I've had to start, start mentioning more plainly in my books that the police over here are armed. Yeah. Because I've had some, I've had some pretty snotty reviews going, well, it's just ridiculous. They will be trained. And they're really not. They're not trained to use firearms unless they're on a firearm squad. Right. I so. I realize that. Yeah. Like, mm. uh, I forget what show it was, but they had a whole firearm squad that they would call yeah. out. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They're the ones who are armed. We see them on the road um, every now and again, but they are usually responding to reports of firearms. They're the, they're the guys who would go to, you know, reports of a shooting or whatever. Yeah. Um, wow. But, yeah, as a matter of course. Uh, very, you can, very different. Yeah, there. British police aren't. They're yes. not armed. They have a taser. They have a um, what you call like a nightstick, uh-huh. uh, like a extendable baton. That's yeah. what they call. Okay, and some um, pepper spray, tear gas. Okay, great. And that's it. <laughs> great. Yeah, that is it. So that's um, yeah. The bad guys can get guns though. So my bad guys in Snowbound managed to get hold of a gun. 
Okay. So Snowbound was your first ever published novel, right? It was, yes. God, and, that's going back a bit. <laughs> and you received um, a debut award for that too, right? It was. It was a, um, a Lavender Award, I think it was called. And it was from the Alice B Committee, who I think they still give the Alice B Award, which is for... Uh, usually given for authors who've who've made a big impact in in um, I think it's it's lesbian fiction still, um, <clears throat> so they give them to sort of like you know the big kind of uh, popular writers who've had a lot of books out and have been very good at, at at doing what they do basically. But the lavender one was a smaller award for debut authors, um, and I think they've stopped giving it. But um, I did I was actually lucky enough to. Uh, to win one, which was nice. Yeah, that is fantastic. Congratulations. And, <laughs> and I'm just I'm just looking like uh, also in addition to this outstanding debut award, um, mm. No Good Reason, which was the first in the Dark Peak series, won mm. the 2015 Rainbow Award for Best Mystery. And it was also a finalist in the 2016 Lambda Literary Awards, right? Yes. And you won a Goldie and a Rainbow Award for Best Mystery. Um, that was for, what was, that was for Cold to the Touch. I think that was Cold, I think, yeah. yeah. I think Cold did that. And then, I think No Good Reason and Cold were both nominated for the Golders in the same year because they came out the same year. Oh, cool. And I think they made, to be fair, I think they made the right choice. I think Cold is the better book. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then A Quiet Death was a final book in the series. Um that it was shortlisted in the 2018 Lambda Literary Awards. Um, and it also won the 2017 Rainbow Awards for Best Mystery. It did. So this is quite a series, it seems. <laughs> so It has had a few gongs thrown at it, yes. It's, yeah, it's so listeners, you have to check out, check out this <laughs> Dark Peak series. Um, definitely. Read them, in, read them in order. Okay, so they have to be read in order? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. I would definitely start with no good reason. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, like I say, the the crimes you could read one, and and the crime will be satisfactory. It solves, you know, it solves by the end. Mm -hmm. But the the kind of character stuff uh, works as a series, so that will follow on. Okay. So it will make a lot more sense if you read them in order. Definitely. So don't read them out of order for no, no. good reason. Ah. <laughs> I see what you did. There. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> so, um, how do you come up with these storylines and plots? And so you mentioned that you know the the one um, book, uh, tumble down. You know, was kind of based on on your experience uh, out hiking, but some of the some of these others that are are darker and you know maybe um, involve more crime. How do you come up with these? Um. No Good Reason was another walking one, I think. That was a, uh, it's actually based on, there's a there's a route that Sana, uh, long story short, Sana the detective and it goes for a run. She's a, a fell runner, so she runs the hills. Mm -hmm. um, and she comes across um, two lads who found what she thinks is a body at first, but it's actually um, a young lass who's um, at the bottom of some rocks. Now, the rocks actually exist. Um, they're called Lado Rocks. I changed the name of them slightly in the books, but they're actually called Lado. Um, and it's a walk that we do. And every time we go up there, we look over them and just think, 
why have we never found anybody at the bottom of those? <laughs> it's kind of a macabre kind of way to think, but yeah. the people who found bodies, they, they find bodies, they're the dog walkers and the hill walkers. And we've been walking those hills for 20 years now. And Touchwood, we've never found, we've found a couple of injured people who've, who've snapped an arm or two, but we've never actually found a body. And that was when No Good Reason came out of, it was one of those what ifs. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... That was where that came from. Um, I'd say Unbreakable has got quite a quite a common premise. I've seen it used in TV. The whole injured woman and the well injured person kidnaps a doctor. I think ER have done that. Um, you know, it's not an original one. I think the the the, the thing with that is is putting your own spin on it. Um, okay. uh, Call to the Touch has a serial killer who was actually based on a real life serial killer over here. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it, it kind of, uh, I just remembered, I remembered it because it was unusual. I'm not going to say too much about it because there is a bit of a twist in the book and I don't want to give it away in case people do pick it up. Okay. But it stuck with me because it was unusual and the motive for uh, the killings was unusual as well. Okay. So it is actually based on a real life, a real life set of crimes over here. Wow. Do um, you watch crime TV shows? Not as a rule, no. Okay. Um, no, and I, I stopped reading thrillers as well. I used to be quite a prolific thriller reader. Yeah. If you'd asked me sort of like six, seven years ago what my favourite books were, it would be, you know, the likes of Karen Slaughter and um, Denise Mina, who's okay. a, I think she's Scottish, Denise. Yes, she is. Uh, Chelsea Kane, you know, kind of series, series authors. Um, mm -hmm. I liked Manda Scott as well, who's... Um, We've got some sapphic, some sapphic uh, thrillers, some of her early stuff. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I think I just got sick of the kind of, it's almost like torture porn aspect to them. Yeah. Where I feel like they're just kind of trying to one-up each other now in terms of how extreme they can get. Okay. Um, they never have any queer characters in them, and I just got frustrated with that as well. If they did have a queer character, they were miserable and closeted, and I was just like, oh, God. Yeah. Why can't they just be doing their job and just happen to be gay? So that's what I wrote. I wrote, you know, I tend to write characters who are doing their jobs, getting on with their lives and just happen to be gay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's never really a big deal because I work in these, I work in the field. You know, there's so many, there's so many gay people in my, at my station that they call it the, they call it the gay village, my station. Oh, really? <laughs> it's just that we have a rainbow flag. Oh. Um, I don't know what it is about the National Health Service. It attracts queers like moths to a flame. Yeah. And the emergency services in general, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gay people in the police as well. So yeah. I think in the helping professions in general. Yeah. There are. Yeah. 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 Definitely, yeah. um, definitely. So that was what I wanted to do, basically. I didn't want it to be an issue. I wanted to write, you know, queer people just doing doing what they do, going out, investigating these crimes, you know, treating people in hospitals and and it not being a, a big deal or mm -hmm. a big issue. So. Okay. so do your writing skills, like, do they come naturally or were you formally trained in uh, creative writing? Um, not formally, no. Okay. Um, I remember I did a, I did a degree in film and literature. Okay. Um, I was really interested in film way back when and thought that I, I would go on to be 
some kind of film critic living down in London and, and writing about films. Mm-hmm. But by the time I'd studied films for three years, I really kind of wasn't interested and I was much more into television. Okay. <laughs> Which I think, to be fair, I've been vindicated. I was a bit of a pariah on my course because it was very much a lesser genre, a lesser media. Yeah. But, but now, I mean, there's so much great television. Um I did that. It's definitely. I think it's a definitely stronger media than than uh, than film. But anyway, in my third year of my degree, I did um, a module on creative writing, but it's not helped because I can't actually remember any of it. I can remember, <laughs> remember writing a couple of stories. Yeah, and I can remember writing an essay about slash fan fiction. Okay. Um. And that's it. So no, in terms of formal training, it's a definite no. <laughs> but I did. Um, I was a big geek all through university. And I went to university at a time when um, people were just starting to discover the internet. Okay. So we're talking, oh, God, 20, uh, a, a, a long time ago. Let's late not late a, 80s, early let's 90s? Not put, let's not put a number on it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like yesterday. <laughs> But basically, I was one of the early, we were one of the early sort of um, internet generations. Yeah. And um, being a geek, you know, I, I was an X-Files geek, basically. Okay. And um, I found news groups, and through that I found fan fiction, and started writing, basically, as a lot of, of sapphic authors have done. I've started, I started writing with fan fiction. So... None of my books are actually fanfics. They're all original stories. But a lot of my first experience of writing, basically, and, and certainly with publishing, mm-hmm. was uh, publishing uh, fanfiction online. Yeah, a lot of I have heard that a lot of authors have oh, started yeah. out that way. Yeah, hundreds, lots, lots, and lots and lots. A lot of the early um, uh, sapphic authors will have will have been, especially Xena fiction. Mm, yeah, and you're still now seeing um, authors coming up through fanfiction. Okay. A lot of them are publishing fanfics as original stories. Wow. Um, it's great. It's a great way to start. It is a good way to start. You get instant kind of reviews, instant encouragement, um, instant feedback. Um, and, yeah, you just get that confidence, I think. I think you make a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. When I first got edited professionally for the first time, I realized, you know, it, it was pointed out how many sort of like um, of the traps that I was, the easy writing traps I was falling into. Um, and then you get edited and you learn and you develop and, you know, you progress, basically. Yeah, editors are great teachers, aren't they? Absolutely. I can look at Snowbound and Desolation Point and, you know, I would like to take a red pen to, to quite a bit of that still and reword it and rewrite it and, you know, cut out a lot of the uh, a lot of the naive kind of bits of writing that are in there. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely got better. Definitely. Yeah, I was going to say that is awesome to hear that because yeah. that just means that you've really enhanced your craft as you Absolutely. have gone along. Yeah, so that's awesome. I've, yeah, I've had the same editor with Ballstroke since I've started. And we get to a point um, occasionally where I don't get a notes file back. Unbreakable didn't get a, it didn't come with a notes file. So basically it was just a line edit with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was it's really, really nice when you get a book back a manuscript back that's you know in in decent enough shape that yeah. you don't have to do anything with it other than accept a few grammatical changes yeah that's fantastic hmm. that's almost yeah. unheard of <laughs> so have you always been with bold strokes yes uh, right from snowbound okay. um 
I submitted Snowbound to them. They were brave enough to pick it up. Awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was me setting them for, I think it's been about nine years now. Good for you. Something like that. Yeah. So, so how do you, like when you're writing, um, you said you write for you, right? Yes. But how do you manage, um, you know, kind of writing to to meet what your readers want um like plus kind of writing to make demands on them more like writing for you how how do you get that balance i think i think i don't really think about it I, i'm aware of it mm-hmm. i'm aware of their expectations more so i think than people who will write along uh, the rules and I don't write along the rules I never I never really have so you know the people who are writing what the audience wants which most readers will want the romance a lot of them will want the insta love kind of two people meet instantly fall in love um have a breakup at 70 percent and you know jobs are good and sort of thing happy ever after yeah um I've never I don't read romances. I know I know how the format works. I'm aware of the the formula sort of thing, but mm-hmm. I don't read them and I wouldn't be happy writing them, so I never have. Um and I think I think my books probably do take my readers out of their comfort zone a little bit. Um I've got a very loyal readership now who thank goodness have stuck with me through you know some some pretty there's some ups and downs there's been some different some different books I've done a first person book uh breathe was sort of like a a more light-hearted you could probably call that one a romance even though there were thriller elements so they've all been all been a little bit different you know I've I've done a a series I've done standalones Mm -hmm. um and I don't I can't I wouldn't be happy I don't think changing changing what I write to try and please a lot of people Mm -hmm. I could probably I would probably sell more if I if I changed, you know, if I did write more to the formula. If I don't know. There's something to be said for, you know, writing what you feel and, and having it come more naturally than oh, absolutely. forcing yeah, I don't something, think be, you know. I don't think that I wouldn't be any good at it. I don't think my heart and soul <laughs> would be in it. Yes. But I might be able to, I don't know, I might be able to chuck one out. But they're difficult to write. Romances are difficult to write. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't really think I'd be any good at it because I wouldn't be interested in it. And I take a long time to write a book. It takes me about a year. And to be unhappy for a year writing something that I didn't believe in yeah, would be, it good. wouldn't be good for no. me. I think I'd just, I'd rather not, to be fair. Yeah. So I, I tend that. to write what I want to write and hope at the end that somebody wants to read it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I'd, I'd I'd prefer to do that, write to entertain myself, and mm-hmm. and um, and hope that at the end of it, I'm entertaining um, other people as well. And I've been lucky; I have been really, really lucky, um, because I know, you know, it's not a genre that sells particularly well. Um, so I don't know really how I've managed to get a decent a decent sized readership. Um, because you're, have, cause you're you know. good well yeah I, I don't know whether it's just a bit different maybe as well yeah, um i yeah. think the britishness helps mm-hmm. i think having the the sort of like the british dialect and dialogue i've become known for that mm-hmm. um having a really strong sense of place mm-hmm. having a bit of a sense of humor about myself and 
mm-hmm. you know, not taking myself too seriously, I think. And my characters don't either. So yeah. <laughs> I think all that helps. Yeah, you know? I totally agree with you. Like I watch, <clears throat> so my wife and I watch um, British crime shows all the time. Like um, we watch Brit Box like that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that got us through COVID. Like, and, and it yeah. is just, it's so, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's so different than uh, TV in the U.S., yeah. Um, and you know it's the same kind of show and even some of them are like almost the same show right something yeah. that's produced in the U.S. and something that's produced in, in Britain but they're just so so different and and we love like Britbox like we love um, you know Vera and Shetland and mm-hmm. you know all mm-hmm. those um, and there is a bit of a darkness to them yeah more so than the U.S. shows Um and uh but the characters i think um have a little more depth to them than they do in the u.s in the u.s it's more about the storyline and you know um and i think britain goes into more of like character development um so i think uh, one of my influences has been um sally wainwright who did um happy valley yeah yeah and uh scott and bailey Okay. And she's got a background in the police and you can tell basically. You can tell because you can recognize a lot of stuff that I see out on the road. You can tell with the way that she writes dialogue, the sense of humor that she has. There's a very specific sense of humor to the emergency services and she sort of nails it. And it's something that I can, you know, I can put in my books um quite easily. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's got a really good ear for dialogue and her character writing is really excellent. Yeah. Yeah. She's like the best in, you know, performers. Um like Sarah Lancashire, who's in um Happy Valley, started out playing like a bit of an airhead in Coronation Street. Mm-hmm. Massive soap operas, and she's just unrecognizable as that, you know. I think it was Raquel she started playing and she's just um same with Saran Jones, who started also out in Corrie. And um and he's in Scott and Bailey and and submarine. I love, uh, I love was her. It, was it in what was the submarine one that she was in? Uh, I want to say Invincible, but I'm not sure that's right. Mm, she was in that anyway. She was really good in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's she's another actress who Sally Wainwright has just brought on and brought out of her shell and yeah. got the best out of. Yeah. 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 She's fantastic. She's a genius. Yeah. She really is good. Yeah. So, how do you? manage to like meet the demands of your day job and your writing career um mainly by not seeing the writing as a career i think okay by seeing being a paramedic as a career and i still see the writing as a hobby um so it it fits in around my shifts basically rather than you know i can't make my shifts fit in around the writing it just doesn't work um i write when i have the time when my brain is okay from you know switching very quickly from night shifts to day shifts um it gives you a kind of dementia almost my memory goes you know i trip over my words i can't remember why i've gone into a room for something mm-hmm. so when i'm like that i can't write so it just gets put on hold um um i have a like a four week shift pattern at the end of those four weeks i get a week off mm-hmm. so i'll do three weeks of shifts and then i'll have a week off and it's that week off that i usually 
find that I've got the kind of um, mental acuity really to actually write. Um, I was writing tonight um, while I was waiting for for um, for this to this podcast to start. Mm-hmm. So I've actually done some writing today. It's been a good writing day. I've I've almost written an entire scene, awesome. but I will never put pressure on myself to write. I'll never set myself a word count. Um, you know, some days a good day of writing can just be going over some edits or writing a few lines just to get myself back into it, or even just reading through what I've I've written previously. Um, so it's still very much like a fun hobby for you then. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't write to a deadline. So the only time I really tell ball strokes that I've got a book out is when I'm absolutely sure it's A, going to get finished and B, going to get finished um, by whatever deadline they give me. Okay. So, you know, I might be 60,000 words into a into a manuscript before I'll, I'll send them a proposal. Okay. And that's just the way I work because I can't. I can't put that pressure on myself to hit a deadline that's, you know, say, say I tell them about it in January and they want it by June. I just, it's six months. It's a long time for a lot of authors who might do four books a year, but I can't, I can't write to that kind of, <laughs> I can't write to that kind of amount. I just, no, it's, it's just not for me. Yeah. I can't imagine how, how people do that. Like, you know, people who have other, other careers full time, and or then, kids or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, raising a family is a full-time career. And Absolutely. then, you know, you have another job and, and then you tend to write. I know one author with bold strokes has like a few kids, and, you yeah, know, yeah. and she's in uh, she's in the health care field and, and she managed to, to put out a few books a year. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't understand, uh, you know, it's. I'd rather, I think I'd rather take my time and make sure that it's, it's right. And I'm happy with it. And I think if I was, if I was churning out three, four books a year and trying to hit, you know, trying to make a living off it, I think there's that pressure to to keep producing and the books get shorter and just, nah, it's not for me that I'd rather just, I'd rather take my time and be happy and like say, treat it as a hobby. And I'm fortunate that I can do that because I've got, I've got a full-time job basically yeah. that that um that pays the wage that I live off and the books are just it's just a nice bonus to have to have that and be involved in in sort of sapphic fiction it's it's lovely and it's been it's been great it's always been I've always been a fandom type of person mm-hmm. I've always been involved and and quite happy sort of like chatting around on social media and and whatnot mm-hmm. and like I say I, I I grew up with the internet um and I, I think sapphic fiction has now become my fandom, basically. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got you know I've got readers who've become friends, and we chat, and I'm on forums and in groups and stuff, and and that takes up quite a lot of time as well, just just doing that aspect of it. But I enjoy that. That's not a you know that's never been a chore or anything. So it's yeah. something that I enjoy, and I'm, I'm you know I'm familiar with and, and happy to do. So great, yeah, it's not a hardship. No, I've never been shy online. It's you know, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a good part. It's been the best part really of of the whole book thing, meeting people and chatting to people and finding new mates. Cool, very cool. <laughs> so I have one question for you: Do you allow your spouse to read your work while you're writing it? She actually is my beta reader. <laughs> oh, awesome! I know. I know the general rule of thumb is 
don't let somebody who knows you really well be a beta for you. Yeah. But she's my only beta reader. She's my first reader and she edits. Um, and she's brutal as well. Is she? It works really well because she's absolutely not afraid to say, Carol, this is crap. You know, this, this bit needs changing. Um, we use track changes and she'll just leave me a lot of notes in the margins and, She's usually right, to be fair. There's, there's aspects that we just agree to disagree on sometimes, but okay. um, in terms of her her education was far better than mine. She went to a very good <laughs> a very good school, okay. whereas I went to a kind of bog standard, what we call well, what was a comprehensive school of here. So in terms of the technical aspects of writing, she's always been better at that kind of thing. So she can, you know, rearrange my commas and... Tell me when I've got dangling participles or whatever they are. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's good to have somebody like that in your corner, though. Absolutely. It's probably what, well, my editor quite quite freely says she makes her life a lot easier. So, Aww. but yeah, I think, like I say, we've got better together and she's learned a lot as I've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're pretty good now at, at cleaning a manuscript before it goes in for submission. Oh, fantastic. Um, and we walk a lot together, so we'll bounce ideas, you know, writing. She she writes some stuff too. Um, so she's we can bounce ideas off and chat about bits and pieces. And it's just nice to have somebody that you can, you know, throw, throw bits and pieces of ideas around with. It's great. Yeah, she's connected with all parts of your life, you know. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, you need somebody who will be, who will be honest with you because yeah. – I think some people, you know, they're they're very keen to just not ruffle feathers, whereas, yeah, my wife, is she's quite happy to ruffle my feathers. Ah, okay. Yeah, I did some beta reading for a couple people, and I was just like, you know, I didn't want to ruffle feathers. It's hard if you're a friend, isn't it? Yeah, it's tough. And what's a nice way of saying you, this is absolute crap. Yeah, that's There is no way, there's no nice way to say that, is there? No, no, there's not. Can, you know she can say this is absolute crap and then go and go make me a brew so that's fine yeah well luckily the people that i was doing some beta reading for were they, they were awesome writers so yeah i didn't good. yeah i didn't have any problems saying anything but yeah also a very thick skin i think we need to be so yeah i think you grow a thicker skin as well you have to so if you read your reviews or anything you, you need a pretty thick skin for that so. uh yeah i think you know any kind of artist needs a thick skin you know absolutely uh, absolutely yep it's like water off a duck's back now so. yeah well good <laughs> good good uh that is so funny that you use that expression. I had uh, a friend from Ireland who used to say that all the time. <laughs> so uh, I love that. Um, so are you currently working on anything? Like, um, like are you planning on uh, releasing something or uh, um, next year? I'm not, oh yeah, I'm writing. I'm writing a book. The story, did I mention, I think I did, didn't I, earlier, I mentioned setting one aside. Yes, um, yes, right you did. Unbreakable. Yep. So, I think I'd overplanned it. I think I'd I just got bogged down in it um and it got to the point where it wasn't clicking with me. Okay. So I just I'd never done it before. I got about 30,000 words into it. So I was quite a long way into it and I set it aside. I, I had it didn't help that I had the itch to write unbreakable as well because I just had this this idea that seemed a lot simpler that mm-hmm. I could just basically probably write and run with without and, and kind of go along with it and, and uh, plot it and develop the characters as I went along, which is what I did with Unbreakable. 
Whereas this one, because I wanted it to be the first in a series, I was trying to sort of like think through the characters and their arcs and maybe plot two books down or maybe three books down and start thinking about what I was going to do. And I think I just got bogged down in it. And like I say, this was 2020 where you didn't want to get bogged down in anything that turned out not to be fun. Yeah. So I set it aside. I didn't give up on it. I set it aside. Um, I actually gave the leading character in that story a cameo in Unbreakable which oh. is something that I'd never done before. Cool. But I thought, well, Unbreakable kind of, it turns into a bit of a road trip. So it starts off in London and then travels up the country. It hits Birmingham in the Midlands and then it comes back up towards where I live. Um, and I'd set this this other story around that area. So I thought, oh, why the hell not? Let's give Joe a cameo. So Joe Shaw, who's the detective who has this cameo in Unbreakable is actually the lead character in the one that I've gone back to. So mm. it was nice to write her and um, give her a little bit of an introduction. Mm. And the nice thing about it as well is that she's now good friends with Safia, who was the detective in Unbreakable. So now I can put Safia in the book that I'm writing at the moment. So it kind of links up. Um, nice. nice. It's, not a sequel, it's not a sequel or anything, but yeah. they just have a nice little phone conversation in there so yeah that's great i love a uh, radcliffe does that sometimes yeah she does it really well she she merges a lot of her um books and characters and series and it's something i've i've never done um but i am maybe thinking because i really enjoyed writing staff yeah. i'm maybe thinking of of doing a maybe a half and half book at some point um with joe and and safia Oh, cool. Um, in case some some kind of investigation they're on actually uh, merging. Yeah. So um, it's fun. This story that I'm, this, sorry, what were you going to say? I said it's fun. As a reader, it's fun. Like you're like, oh, Absolutely, I know them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, and she was a popular character. She um, she was popular with the readers, so it'll be nice to um, to touch base with her again and, and bring her back in. That'd oh. be that'd be good. Fantastic. So, well, we can't wait to to see that one. I have no idea when it'll be out. That okay. one, I've not. I've not told anybody about it. All right. <laughs> I'm just well, working. you're telling a lot of people right now. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably getting towards a halfway point. Okay. So at some point, I might tell ball strokes I'm working on something, but I'm not getting a deadline, so okay. it'll be a while yet. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'll be on the lookout for that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not even got a title yet, so I yeah, can't I'm, possibly, I'm hearing can't possibly that. tell anybody about it. Yep. Um, so all right well we can be patient for a little while <laughs> so all right well thank you so much carrie hunter for being with us today um, you're welcome it's been a pleasure yes it's been a pleasure it really has i totally enjoyed talking with you and uh this is anita kelly and thanks for joining liz talk about books baby so until next time may your journey be lighthearted, peace be plenty and be safe folks